<laughs> I just want to echo one of those announcements, uh, date night. Um, it is a, a time for married couples here in our church, and then also if you're engaged to be married. Um, we want to invest in your relationship. Even if you are married to your soulmate, you are still struggling with each other sometimes. And all of us need to do maintenance and improvement and investments um, into our relationship. And your marriage relationship is the most important relationship, human relationship that you have. And so uh, make sure married couples, engaged couples, that you come out May 26th, Friday night. And parents with kids, you've got a couple weeks to um, make sure you secure some babysitting. So don't make any excuses. Oh, we got to watch the kids. We can't come. I'm telling you now, make sure that you're ready. It's going to be a great night. We are bringing in a couple from the States. They're going to be investing into your marriage that night, Peter and Carolyn Haas. It's going to be a great night. You don't want to miss it. You can register after the service. We have a table out there for that. All right, we are in week two of our series that we, are, we have called The Secret Place. And just another reminder, next week is Mother's Day. It's going to be a great week celebrating moms. Nicole is going to be bringing the word to you next week. So you definitely don't want to miss that. It's going to be awesome. But today is week two of this series. And we just want to be talking about prayer. And this is the vitality of our relationship with God comes in the context of communicating with God, just like any human relationship. And prayer can be very arduous for people. It can be like, I don't know where to start. It can be a difficult thing. It can feel like a super religious thing. Um, it, it could feel like I'm praying. I'm not sure if God is listening to me. And so we want to go to the scriptures because we all should have a habit of prayer. It should just be something that we cultivate in our lives um, on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, as we've been talking about last week, prayer, when we think about prayer, sometimes um, we can quantify it too much. We think I have to pray 15 minutes or I have to pray an hour or I have to pray two hours. And if I haven't prayed for this amount of time, I somehow haven't pleased God or I haven't reached a, a certain pinnacle of praying. And what we need to think about prayer, it's just this constant state that I'm staying in. Like this last week, I quoted uh, one pastor who said, you know, I never pray more than five minutes but I never go five minutes without praying. So it's just this state that I, I, I'm in staying constantly connected to God, that I could pray at any moment, that I can discuss things with him, that I could worship him, that when something comes to my mind that I'm confused about or I don't know what to do, which would be a lot of things in our lives, that we would pray and ask God and desire his help in our lives. So when we pray, there's aspects of asking and worship and thanksgiving Honesty, lament, listening, stillness, rest, a place of the promises, being present in his presence, alignment, recalibration, correction, persistence, and faith. And all of these that we would see from the scripture are aspects of our prayer life or our time of connection with God. Psalm 91 verse 1 says this. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall ab abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. So I have this place, this secret place alone with God. And, and we read last week, last week um, we talked about the protocol of prayer and different aspects from the scripture, how we should pray. And so if you missed that message, it's available on our YouTube page or on our podcast um, but Jesus talked to us about that we would come away to pray, that the majority of our praying should just be us alone with God, our quote-unquote prayer closet, where nobody is seeing how much time we're praying, and it would take away 
the possibility of us trying to emote some sort of super spirituality for other people to show them how spiritual I am, to show them how amazing I am, or to show them how much I know the word. Uh, it would take away that temptation. It would just be just you and God, you and God talking, you and God being in communication. And this is what we would be implying with the secret place. But I love here what the psalmist said. He said, I will say of the Lord, <coughs> sort of God distant separate, that he is my refuge and he is my fortress. He's my God and him will I trust. Now this doesn't mean he's exclusively mine. It just means that I'm in a relationship with God. It is a personal relationship that I am knowing God for myself, that he's not just the Lord somewhere else. He's not just the Lord in the clouds, so to speak, or that he's the Lord of the famous religious people. That he is my God and he is my fortress and I can actually learn and know how to spend time with him. That he would be our dwelling place. Jesus, when he turned over uh, the tables of the money changers in the temple, he said about his house, that my house shall be called a house of prayer. And so that would be us. We are the house of God. And so we should be called a house of prayer. It should just be part of our lives. Um, When we see Jesus teaching us about prayer, the Lord's Prayer, famous portion of scripture about prayer. In in Luke 11, he's giving us um, some things to pray. He's telling us ways to pray and then ways not to pray. Because I know, again, a prayer can be very frustrating for certain people. They they pray certain things and it doesn't work out, it doesn't happen. And so they're frustrated or they're maybe become angry at God. And we can know from the New Testament reasons why our prayers don't get answered. But as I, I mentioned last week, I don't want you to relegate yourself to the I'm in the group where my prayers don't get answered. But what we need to know is know from the scripture why our prayers don't get answered and change those things. Don't persist in those things. And we would see some New Testament reasons why our prayers don't get answered because of sin, living a life of sin, no full sinfulness, disobedience where God has told us to do certain things and then we are on purpose not doing those things, selfishness, that I'm just praying all about me. The book of James tells us that, that we can't just pray selfishly. And then ultimately we could just be praying in a lack of faith, that we're not actually putting our trust in God, that we're not truly relying on him, that our prayers have just become mechanical. And that's what we want to discuss today, that we don't want to just pray mechanical prayers, sort of just do the deed without actually thinking anything or actually realizing I am actually engaging with God with the things that I'm saying. That we can learn the mechanics of praying and then miss out on the spirit of prayer. And that's what I want to discuss today with you is the spirit of prayer. What is the spirit of prayer? I'm not necessarily talking about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit does help us to pray. What is the true spirit of prayer when I'm talking to God? Now, I would say that the spirit of a thing is um, more important than the mechanics of a thing, although the mechanics are also important. And I'll, I'll try to illustrate it like this. If you, if you have any children, if you ever send them to their room to go clean their room, now there's a certain thing that you're expecting there. Now, they could stomp down the hallway to their room in anger and frustration and go in their room and you could hear them angrily making their bed. I don't know what that sounds like. But, and then folding their clothes and slamming their drawers shut after folding those clothes and slamming their closet done. 
and you walk in their room and their bed is made, but it still doesn't, still doesn't look that great and there's still maybe a sock in the corner of the room. They did the mechanics of cleaning the room, but the spirit wasn't there. The heart wasn't there. I know um, I appreciate the garbage men who work in our, our neighborhood because I am responsible for the garbage in our house. And so I take pride in this. And so what is the purpose of us having garbage men that come through our, our neighborhoods every week and they pick up the garbage? What is the purpose of it? It's like, so we would have a clean neighborhood, right? So that's the spirit of the garbage collection. Now, some of the guys come through the neighborhood and they take our recycling bins and they pile them neatly on the front lawn afterwards. And I appreciate these guys. And under some weeks, it's not that guy. I go to the street and my recycling bins are strewn on the road in front of our house. And not only that, there's still garbage in front of my house. Do you know what I'm saying? Like they didn't actually pick up all of the garbage. They are doing their job, but they don't have the spirit of garbage collection. (laughs) So what we don't want to do is we just don't want to do the mechanics of prayer. We just don't want to do this out of obligation and miss the heart, the spirit of actually praying. And so how are we going to get this? How are we going to understand it? How are we going to capture the heart of prayer? And so what we're going to do today, that there is some prayers actually listed in the scripture. And what we're going to do with those prayers is we're going to go through them. Now, we could turn these into mechanical prayers. We could just go through them and read them. And say, okay, God, I don't know what to pray. And so I'm just going to pray these prayers in the scriptures, which we actually should do. And these are tremendous prayers that we're going to see in the scripture. One of them, Jesus is praying. And then three others are the epistle prayers. And if you've been around the Z Church for any length of time, you've heard me talk about these things. And so if you've been around and you've heard this, this is watering for you. And this is a brand new idea for you. This is like a seed that this can take a root in your life. And you, we could truly understand the heart of prayer, the spirit of prayer. So we're going to go through these uh, four different um, prayers here in the scripture. Before I do that, I just want to read here 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. It says this. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So again, this is so important for us. That all praying, all effective praying is done in alignment with the word of God. That we're praying and asking something according to his will. So effective praying starts by praying God's will, not my will. And again, this is where uh, a frustration, I believe, takes place for a lot of people. They're just praying the things that they want. And they're not necessarily going to the word of God. They're not necessarily aligning their prayers They're asking to the word of God. That's the most important thing that we would see here. He hears us when we pray according to his will. And so we can pray these scriptural prayers and it will help us get the spirit of prayer. So we see here, the first one we're gonna look at is in John 17. And this is Jesus praying for his disciples. And then he starts to pray for us, that people that would believe based on the words of the disciples or the apostles. And our lives can be part of answering this prayer for Jesus. And don't we want to do that? Come on. 
Don't we want to do that? The prayers that Jesus prayed for us, we can be a part of that. We could choose to be a part of Jesus' answered prayer. Let's read it here in John 17. So again, we're going to see some mechanics of prayer, but what we're after is the heart of it, the spirit of it. Verse 15, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. So here is the very first thing that Jesus is praying for his disciples, and we're just reading a portion of it today. You can read the whole chapter. That Jesus is praying for his disciples, and then by extension us, not that we would be taken out of the world, that not, we're, we're not trying to escape the world. We're not called as Christians to move up into the mountains. Well, I mean, if you have a mountain retreat, fine. I, what I mean is, to, oh, I, gotta, I gotta get away from this terrible world. No, God is wanting to keep us while we live in the world, in the context of a culture that is anti-God. That God is gonna be protecting us in that, not that we're gonna be taken out of the world, but that we would be kept, keep them from the evil one. Verse 16, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world sanctify them. What does that mean? Set apart. That we're set apart for the purposes of God. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So again, what are we learning from the prayer of Jesus? Partly we're seeing what he's prayed for us, but then also we're supposed to be learning, what can I be praying for other people? That what, what would I be praying for other Christians? That they would be sanctified in the truth of the word of God, set apart for the purposes of God. Verse 18, as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. He is sending us to be representatives of the kingdom of God, sending us out full of the word of God, not just doing the cultural thing, but doing the kingdom culture thing. And then he says in verse 19, and for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in the truth. And this is a good thing as we think about praying, praying for other people that are following Jesus. What am I gonna do? I'm gonna consecrate myself for them, for other people that I'm gonna follow the ways of God so that somebody else then can follow the ways of God, that I'm gonna be an example to somebody else and all of us should want to do this as Jesus has done it. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their words. So this is for us. Jesus is actually praying this for us because we have believed on Jesus because of the words of the apostles. So he's praying for us here. Verse 21, what is he praying for? That they all may be one just as you, Father, and I and in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that they, that you have sent me. This unity that Jesus was praying for us. And if you think about the world in general, there's not a lot of unity in the world. There's a lot of reasons for us to be angry at each other. We have a lot of different interests. We have different political ideas and all these different things that we would see in the world. There's a lot of division in the world. But what is Jesus praying for us, for his followers? That we would be unified. So this is something we should do, right? Are you here this morning? 
this is something we should do as a church. What brings us together? It's not necessarily all of our political opinions. It's not, we don't necessarily all cheer for the same sports teams, but I'll pray for you. (coughs) But in Christ, we are one. In Christ, we are family. Even though we look differently, we may be born in different countries. In Christ, we are family. And this is so important. Because Jesus is saying people will look at us based on that and they will know that God is true. That everybody else is separating for all of these different reasons. But us, followers of Jesus, we are gonna be unified under the banner of Christ. Verse 22, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I and them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you have sent me and love them even as you have loved me. So there's some prayers. There's a heart of what we could pray. I'm not necessarily praying that somebody will be taken out of the world, out of a difficult circumstance, but I know that, they, that God is gonna keep us, be with us, strengthen us, help us, Because we're always going to be facing stuff in the world because this world is broken. The culture is broken. There's nowhere to escape the brokenness of the world. But in the midst of that, God is going to be with us. And so we could pray for one another. Amen. That God will be with us in the midst of those circumstances. The second example that we see here of a prayer recorded in the scripture is in Ephesians chapter one. Now these next three are what we would call the epistle prayers. Epistle just means letters, letters to the church. And so the apostle Paul is, has recorded some of these prayers in um, two of them we're gonna read here in the book of Ephesians one, the book of Colossians. Now again, there is mechanics here in these prayers. And I, I would encourage you to actually pray these prayers. You can actually put your name in there or you could put someone else's name in there and pray these out for somebody. But you just don't want to pray them out mindlessly. You want to pray them with heart or from the heart or with the spirit of faith or with the spirit of prayer that we're truly petitioning God on behalf of somebody else. So let's see the things here that Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus. Verse 15 of Ephesians 1 says this. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. He's gonna pray here in the letter. Now again, if you're like, I don't know where to start as it relates to praying, this is where you start. You actually pray these prayers, okay? Verse 17 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, follower, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So what is the first thing Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus? That they would have the spirit of wisdom. That they would live in such a way that they would just be teeming with wisdom. And it's so important to know The will of God for our lives. This is what I desire for all of you. This is what I desire for me and my wife and my children, that we would know the the will of God. And this is what Paul is praying, that they would operate in the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So that we would grow in our knowledge of God, that we would be wise 
and that we would grow in our knowledge of God. Now, again, here, Paul is praying for Christians that they would be wise and that they would grow in their relationship with God. We can always pray this. Verse 18, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Now, what is that? Now, these are metaphors. You don't, you don't have eyes in your chest. What is, what, is, what is being talked about here? That we would understand something. The eyes of your heart enlightened. That you would, may know what is the hope to which he has called you. That God has called us to hope. But the scripture is telling us, and what Paul is praying for us, is that we would actually understand that. That we are called to hope. That we are called to have a different view of the future based on our relationship with God than others who don't. That we would see this. That we would know this. That this is what Paul is praying for them. And then he says this. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? That we as sons and daughters of God, children of God, have an inheritance based on that relationship. Now, if you know, if you think about your parents, that maybe they passed away or, you know, this is a purpose of a will. What is the purpose of a will? That I want to make sure that I'm leaving an inheritance to my children. I'm leaving something to my children. And God is the same way. We have the will of God, the word of God. So that we can know and understand what he has left behind for us. What is our inheritance as the children of God? Paul was praying that the church would know that. They would understand what is the inheritance in the saints. And, verse 19, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? Now again, he's praying for the church at Ephesus that they would understand all of these things. Do we understand that God's power is toward us? This is what we need to know. This is what we need to understand. This is something that we pray for somebody else. This is what we should pray for ourselves. According to the working of that great might, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, And above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. So what is he praying for the church at Ephesus? That they would understand that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that God is aiming toward you. Do you see that? Do you know it? Can you see it with the eyes of your heart? We're like, I'm not sure. This is why we need to pray it. This is what Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. Now, sometimes we think about our prayers. We think, God, fix their problems. I, I get why we would pray that way for our fellow believers. But if I could relativize that prayer, this is a better prayer. I'm one according to the word of God. That they would understand that the power of God is aimed towards them. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. We need to know this. We need to understand this. This is what Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus. Here's another prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. Are you catching the spirit of prayer this morning? 
Amen. Not just the mechanics, the heart of it. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family member, thank you, I appreciate that one, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So here, talking about the family of God. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, on the inside of us. Now, when we are going through situations and difficulties, what, to, what, do we, what do we need? Now, if you're moving homes, you need some physical strength, especially if you're not hiring movers. But here, he's not talking about that. He's talking about strength on the inside. And this is what we can pray for other people. This is the spirit of prayer. God, I just pray that you strengthen them on the inside. Combining that with some of the other things, God, I thank you that you're giving them wisdom and revelation and understanding about your power. I thank you that you are strengthening them in the inner being. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, and by the way, I pray this for you, that you being rooted and grounded in love. What, what is Paul praying for the church at Ephesus? That their roots would be in the love of God. This understanding that God actually loves you and is interested in you and your life. That our roots would be in this. And he continues, may have been strengthened, may have strength to comprehend. Here we go, understanding again. Praying for understanding. With all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Now, what type of knowing is he talking about? Well, we can, we can know and we can, we can sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. Right? We can sing that song. And we, we could do the mechanics of that song. But do we know that God loves us? And then we would understand it. And we would let it sink into our hearts. See, this is what Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus, that they would just know this. They would be rooted in this idea. That God's love for you is not dependent on your actions. God's love for you is dependent on who he is. God's love for you is not up and down like us. We're up and down and happy and sad. God's not loving us based on those things. God is loving us because this is his essence. This is who he is. There's nothing you can do to make, you God, to make God love you more or less. He loves you. Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus that they would be rooted in this idea. To know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, not just singing Jesus loves me, which is good to do. That you would be filled with all of the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. (coughs) That's a good prayer. 
that God could do more for us than we could even ask or imagine. And this is why we need to ask according to his will, not our own. Because he can do more, far more than we could think. This is what Paul was praying for the church at Ephesus. That they would see this, that they would know this, that they would understand, it would be revealed to them. Are you catching the heart of prayer? And, And so much of it has to do with the person we're praying for. Again, not so much the exterior circumstances, not just the stuff of life. Because we can handle the stuff of life if we have inner strength. Right? We can go through stuff. You've heard of people that have gone through stuff. You've gone through stuff. How do you go through stuff? And come out on the other side, still rejoicing, still serving God. How do you do it? With inner strength. Because the stuff of life is the stuff of life. Paul is praying for them that they would know and understand and have a revelation of God, that they would know the power of God, that they would see the goodness of God, that God is able to do abundantly above anything we could ask or think. And these are prayers that we should pray for each other. And then the last one this morning, Colossians chapter one, verse nine, (coughs) it says this. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. So what is the prayers? Asking that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. And all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Do we see a repetition here? Do we see a theme? God fix all their problems. Yeah, I, I get it. I get why we pray that. But what that person needs is that person needs spiritual understanding. That person needs to know what to do. That person needs to be aware that the power of God, the same power that raised up Jesus from the dead is aimed at them. Verse 10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That we would know God more and more. And this is my prayer for you. This is why we preach. This is why we do city school. This is why we do groups. So that we could all grow in greater knowledge of God. Because we are finite. God is infinite. There's no way that we have a full understanding, a full revelation that we have fully embraced yet all of who God is. And so this prayer, we keep praying it. We can pray it today and we can pray it tomorrow because we need all of these things on a daily basis, every day. We need a fresh understanding. Oh, God really loves me. I need to be rooted in that idea, grounded in that idea. Today, Lord, we need inner strength for, the, for, for today. And for today, I need to grow in you. And for today, I need to be aware of your power. So we could pray these things every day, all of the time. Verse 11, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all 
endurance, and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Do you see the repetition? There's an inheritance for us as the children of God. Paul is saying that we should know this and we should understand this This is what he's praying for. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, as we close this message today, I'm gonna pray for you. And I'm gonna pray for you according to the word of God. So put your notes away for a second, Bibles, whatever it is. As I'm praying, you agree with me, okay? So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And I'm gonna pray this for you, but then later on today, you pray this for somebody else. And then you can also pray this for yourself. For this reason, because I have heard of the faith of the people who are at the city church and their love for all the saints, I do not cease to pray for you here this morning remembering you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom. God, we just take a moment and thank you today for the spirit of wisdom for everybody in the room today, for all of the choices that they have to make, all of the things that you are calling them to do. God, I pray for your wisdom. And we know from your word that you give your wisdom liberally. So for all of the things that they have to do, all the choices that they're making about the future, that you are filling them up today with the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. God, I pray for everybody in the room today, everybody who's part of the city church, that they would grow in their relationship with God, that they would get closer and closer to you every day, that they would understand who you are. God, I pray that the eyes of their heart would be enlightened, that they would know what is the hope you have called them to. God, regardless of their circumstances, I pray for everybody in the room today, everybody who's part of the city church, that their hope would be in you, that they could see a future bright in you as you lead them and guide them forward. And what is the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? I thank you, Lord, for every child of God in the room today, that they would know and understand the inheritance that they have in you, that they would be going to your word to find out what that inheritance is and to be praying and asking according to that. And God, what is the immeasurable greatness of your power toward them because they believe in you? according to the working of your great might, which you worked in Christ, when you raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but that which is to come. God, we thank you today for all of us that we would understand your power and know how strong you are. And we know that your hand is not short that your arm is not weak. 
Help us to see this and know this. Help us to understand the truth of your word today, that we all would walk in it. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Hey, if you are here this morning and you you feel like you don't have a relationship with God at all, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. That, That last prayer that we read there, it talked about the word redemption. And redemption means just to buy us back. See, God owns us twofold. He created us and then he sent Jesus to die for us so that we could actually be in a relationship with God. And by making Jesus the Lord of your life, this is how we have a relationship with God. We don't have a relationship with God by pretending that we're our version of holiness to God. God, I'm I'm a really good person. We can't offer that to a perfect, holy God. And then we can't create some sort of religious system and do something that we either think is religious or other, think, other people think is religious. And God, look how religious I am. Can I have a relationship with you now? You know, the scripture tells us the gospel story, the good news stories that God came down and made a way for us because we couldn't actually make a way for ourselves based on religion or our morality. And all we have to do is say yes. It's called grace. God offers us by grace, a relationship with himself. And we just have to say yes. So if that's you this morning, I'm gonna pray a prayer here in a second. I invite you to pray along with me to say yes to Jesus. Or maybe you're here today. and You feel like you used to be close to God and maybe something happened and maybe you feel distant from God this morning. You know, God is not mad at you today. God is inviting you close to himself. Again, you pray with me as well. So church, we're gonna pray this out loud together. Maybe praying with somebody who's praying it for the very first time or rededicating their life to Christ. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes and let's pray this out loud together. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So today I say yes to that relationship. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my Father. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways and I turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's congratulate those today that did that. Hey, if that is you this morning, you either said yes to Jesus for the very first time or you rededicated your life to Christ. We are so excited about that. But really, this is just a one-time moment that God has called us to be disciples. In other words, lifelong learners. And we have some materials that we would love to put into your hand free of charge. If you would just take a second and fill out the card that I mentioned earlier in the service, check off the appropriate box. And if you turn that card in the info desk in the lobbies, we would love to give you those materials. It's a few books that will help you get you started on your discipleship journey. Uh, Just a couple other reminders. Remember, married couples, date night coming up May 26th. You don't wanna miss it. Again, even if you think you have a perfect marriage, which you don't, please come to date night so that we can invest into your marriage. And especially if you're getting ready to get married, this is a great night for you as well uh, to invest in your relationship. It's never too early to invest into your um, marriage. So you can, there's information out there in the lobby for you to sign up for that. Let's all stand up together today. 
Hey, if you came to church this morning hoping to have somebody to pray with you or for you, some of our church leaders will be up here at the front of the stage um, and some of them are moving right now and they will be happy to pray with you about any circumstance that you might be facing in life. Thank you for coming to church today and we will see you next Sunday for Mother's Day. Have a great week. You are dismissed.